Let's go. Okay, we are now live with the uh, the Poptimist podcast. That my guest today is Ruben Bedez. Welcome, Ruben. I appreciate you uh, you coming on to the podcast. Um, yeah, man. Ruben recently was uh, was listening to an episode with Wyatt, mm-hmm. uh, who actually has sent me another uh, artist. He sent me yesterday. I had them over. It was um. The fuck was their? I can't even remember what their name is right now. <laughs> but I've, been, I've been seeing so many people to do this, but yeah, I That's appreciate right. you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's good to be uh, good to be here, drinking a cup of coffee with you. I, uh, it's the good stuff. It's my third cup of coffee today, so we'll probably get some really good stuff. Okay, good. <laughs> good I'm gonna hold you to it. Yeah, we're gonna have a good episode today. Cool. So you've been uh, working on an EP here recently? Yeah, um, the EP's been uh, it's been done uh, for a few months now, um, and we are in the process of uh, releasing it. So the um, release date is going to be in September, actually. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's coming up. We haven't officially announced it yet. So, oh, jeez. Uh, but very soon we're going to announce okay. the uh, the actual date. Uh, with some shows, going to do a Nashville show and an Atlanta show. Awesome. Um, Atlanta's a great town. Yeah, it's actually where I'm from. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, nice. I uh, grew up just south of Atlanta in Fayetteville, Georgia. Okay. Which is kind of the uh, Delta pilot uh, capital of the, yeah, <laughs> the world. Yeah. Um, just because Atlanta has that huge, you know, airport hub. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the all the pilots like to live in Fayetteville because it was basically like the closest suburb to the airport. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I grew up there, went to college at Georgia Tech in Atlanta and, uh, then actually ended up living in Atlanta, um, for a while, just doing music, um, stuff like that and got married. And then eventually it was kind of got to the point where I was like, well, all right, well, I've kind of done what I can do in Atlanta. Uh, musically, and it was time to make the move up here. And yeah. Despite being scared to death to move to Nashville, yeah. for whatever reason, I, I I think I was just always afraid that I was going to end up being the guy at the corner, uh, you know, Broadway and yeah. third playing for change. <laughs> you know, like I think I came up here with my parents one time, and like I saw all these like musicians like playing on the side of Broadway, and I was like, oh gosh gonna that's gonna be me if yeah. I, I move here and I think I just was always afraid and finally one day I was just like you know what it's now or never let's yeah. do this so you can't wait until you're ready because you're never gonna fucking be ready yeah totally and, like there's a thousand musicians that I know who are so fucking talented I'm, mm-hmm. from, I'm from Maine originally mm-hmm. and there's like a ton of people that I know who are great all over the place. I've lived in a bunch of different places in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I'm, I got to plan out for it. I got to plan out for it. It's like you do have to plan out for it. But yeah. if you just keep planning, 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 and you don't pull that fucking trigger and just do it <laughs> mm-hmm. and deal with whatever the consequences are, bad or good, because mm-hmm. there's, I think, equal amounts. Yeah. Um, then you're never going to do it. It's it's like, a, you know, you can't just wait around for you to finally be emotionally no. ready for no. a big life change like that. No, you never you're never going to be ready. Yeah. I mean, that's the same thing like, you know, getting married even is it's like the same thing. It's like, well, do you love this person? Yeah. Do you want to spend the rest of your life with them? Well, yeah. Like, as soon as you start asking, like, do you have enough money saved up? Do you have a plan? Do you, you know, like, is your job lined up? Do you, or, you know, like, all these things start happening and you're like, well, you know, if I always, if I just waited for the, you know, Right circumstances, probably nine times out of ten, you'll never get there. Yeah, um, they'll never come. Yeah, I think for me, I just needed to, I needed to have like kind of a jolt of change. Mm-hmm. For me, I'd gotten really complacent um, in Atlanta. I'm very comfortable, and um, I've found, at least for me, I create better art when I'm a little bit uncomfortable or yeah. I'm a little stressed or pulled or whatever, you know, because, um, I, I think for me, music helps me kind of like process through things. So, um, if I have nothing to process because everything's just hunky dory, um, then I'm not going to create art. 
And so I think the move here for me was like that jolt I needed to kind of, oh, like something is happening in my life and I'm meeting new people and I'm experiencing new experiences. And I think that's really kind of like, that's how you're right. Started. Yeah. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's how I think songs come into existence. It's good. I definitely agree with that. You have to, you have to make yourself uncomfortable constantly mm-hmm. and you have to, you have to be willing to know that you're not going to know what's going the fuck on when, mm-hmm. when you're like down in the weeds. Yeah. Like there's gotta be this element of, Oh shit, I have to do this yeah. or else like yeah. there has to, I, I don't know. I, I always benefit from when there's a pressure on me. It sucks at the time, but it also is what makes you grow. Yeah. Absolutely. I think as an artist, you always want to constantly be growing. Therefore, you always want to constantly be uncomfortable and trying new things and and going out of your comfort zone. Yeah. So when you were in Atlanta, did you find that you felt your songwriting was getting stale or were you not playing? You were just kind of in the same scene with all the same people at the same shows or? Yeah. um, What was that change like when you finally decided? Yeah. I I think what I, what I had done is, um, like in college, I was in a band, and that was really fun, and um, kind of when I got out of school, it kind of, um, I don't know, we were all just kind of heading in different directions, so that kind of disbanded, and then um, I actually was like pretty um, pretty involved in church music in Atlanta, and um, there's a lot of really big churches uh, in Atlanta that have basically modern music, um, so no not like organs and pianos and choirs. It was like drums, bass, guitar, that kind of a thing. Vocal arrangements. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, um, so I was doing that a lot. And then I had my music on the side as well. And like, I, I, you know, I put out some music that was for the church. I even put out a record that was like, um, basically like a concept album of, um, basically the, the common, common beliefs, uh, between like the Christian church and, uh, Muslims like Islam. Yeah. And so, uh, that was like a, um, like a full length record I did. And, um, kind of all, I kind of got to this point where I was like, you know, the, the, the church needs to realize and like the world needs to realize that like, we're not so different and that like our, focusing on our differences is never going to like move us forward. But if we find like what we agree on and like what our like core values are that we can actually develop like a lasting relationship with someone that on the surface seems very different than us. Yeah. So anyway, that that's a whole nother story, but, um, we all believe the same blood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Coming back to the, you know, humanity of things and I don't know, I feel like it's just as relevant today than, you know, whenever I did it three years ago, I yeah. guess. Um, and so, so yeah, so that I was getting, uh, I was pretty involved with the church music stuff. And, um, the problem that I found was I was just doing a lot of other people's music. Um, and I, I really wasn't in a environment that was like encouraging my art, like, necessarily I, I don't want to say that was across the board but you know 99 out of 100 songs I would perform each month were written by somebody else and maybe one of those songs were one that I wrote and so for me as a creative that's not the most creative environment to be in yeah not expressive yeah and so um I don't know I just it kind of just came to a point where I was like okay, I know I have a good job here. I know I'm technically doing music for a living. Um, but I kind of just got to this point where I was like, I need, I just needed something new. I need to, I need to break out of this, uh, this rut. I was just in a musical rut. And, um, before I made the move, I started creating my own music and I actually like played a couple of shows and I was like, okay, this feels great. And the thing that really hit me, that kind of was like that confirmation, was like, there'd be, you know, Sunday morning services, maybe I'd play like three or four songs that service, and I would come off the stage or whatever, and I would be like exhausted, just from 
the energy I was exerting and this like I don't even I don't even know what, exactly why I was so worn out, but I played a show of my own music at the Georgia Theater in Athens, Georgia, and I played maybe like ten songs of my own music, and I walked off stage and I was like, I feel amazing, like I had energy, like my voice wasn't completely destroyed, worn out from singing. And what I realized, I was like, I'm singing my music, like, that... So it's what you wrote, you it's know? It's what I wrote. And your vocal range. Yeah, yeah. that, that yeah. definitely had yeah. part part to do with it. Yeah. I think also, like, I really believed in what I was singing. Not that I didn't believe in the songs I was singing for the church, but they didn't come from my heart. Yeah. Like, like, you know, and I, so for me, that was kind of this confirmation that it's like, you need to be doing your songs... You know, and I'll cover a song here and there that really speaks to me, but um, for the most part, like, I found that that's what's been very, so very um, confirming and, like, emotionally just, like, very charging. Like, it just, I feel very alive and energized, and so that was kind of the confirmation for me that I was like, all right, let's go do this. Back on the path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like you have to to go off on those little side trails that might seem like the safer route. And then you realize I'm going to cut across the woods right here. I know there's a path on the other side of the yeah. woods, Yeah. even though it's not as stable as this one, but I'd rather be walking up that one. Yeah. And uh, the, it comes back to like, does comfortability actually breed creativity? And it, yeah, no, it, it doesn't. No, no. I, there's so many bands I think that, they're, they release like a, an amazing fucking record. They release amazing two or three records, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, they have houses, they have spouses, they have houses and spouses. Yeah, they have all this shit now, and it's, <laughs> it gets back to like lifestyle maintenance. <laughs> so they're going and they're putting out these records, same records over and over again, because the record label like, hey, this is what sells. Keep doing this. Yeah, and yeah. It stifles creativity. Yeah, and you also have the the whole notion of guys have their whole lives to write their first record. Yeah. And then now they're under this, like, you know, you have money now yeah. and you, you know, and that's the not always the slump. case. Yeah. 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 I mean, Petty even talked about it, you know, like how he just had to keep, keep, keep writing. Like, even though his band was kind of off doing whatever they wanted to do, he yeah. was like, I had to keep writing. And like, um, if I'm going to, you know, basically, and that's the one, that's the one thing is like, with Petty, like, you know, his first record was, is, you know, kind of fizzled as far as, like, everybody, you know, didn't, like, go crazy over it. Mm-hmm. There's that Damn the Torpedoes, that second album that, like, blew up. But the thing was, is he was still able to continue to create great stuff after that. And I think it's just because he, he didn't allow himself to get complacent and, like, get yeah. too comfortable. Yeah. And, like, he knew that he had to keep plugging at it and keep working. What uh what hits were off of uh Damn the Torpedoes? Oh jeez. Um so many. Um <laughs> that would be well let's just look at yeah, the track yeah, listing. Like up. I don't know why I can't think of which ones are on there. I'm, I mean I know the record. It's like um Don't Do Me Like That, I know. Oh okay. There. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Let's look at this track listing. Uh, yeah, Refugee. Okay. Here yeah. Comes My Girl. Um, even the Losers. Um, yeah, I mean, so just there, I mean, he, uh, it was a nine, yeah, it was nine tracks. And like four or five of those are still like... <laughs> on the radio today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you turn on... Hippie Radio, uh, which I listen to a lot here in town. There's yeah. a station called Hippie Radio, and they just, uh, they always seem to be playing something that I do want to actually listen to. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Petty, Petty's great. I actually, I saw you play at Mercy Lounge with Wyatt. Yeah. You guys did a Petty song, a Springsteen song, and then one of your songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you we, guys sounded great. Thanks, man. We, uh, that was cool. We, we do those shows um, every once in a while. Our friend uh, Joseph Copeland, uh, Joe Co shows is what he goes by. He puts those <laughs> on, and um, 
we've done we've done three of them now. Two of them were uh, Beatles vs. Rolling Stones. That's cool. Yeah, and those were cool shows. And then he did the Springsteen vs. Petty, um, which actually it's really funny. I was I think I was driving. I can't remember where we were coming back from. But I was with a friend and I was riding along and I was like. Oh man, you know it would be awesome as a Petty vs. Springsteen show. Yeah. And I texted him, uh, Joseph Copeland, on, and I was like, dude, we gotta do a Petty vs. Springsteen show. And he's like, it's already scheduled for July, whatever. Do you wanna do it? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, duh. Yeah. yeah. And um, that was good. We did, uh, Springsteen song we did was, um, which one was it? I know the Petty thing, it was the, uh, Honeybee, uh, off of the Wildflowers uh, record, and uh, that one just, that was just one of those, like, one of Petty's, like, most rockin' tunes. Yeah. If you look back, uh, the the one time that David Grohl played drums with the Heartbreakers, they play uh, Honeybee Oh, on really? Saturday that night. makes sense, yeah. It's, I think it's Saturday Night Live. Of course. And uh, <laughs> the video of that is awesome because um, David is just, like, grinning ear to ear like you can tell he's just so like pumped and yeah and uh he's a great fucking drummer yeah yeah he yeah. is and he's uh he's got his cymbals way up high and like you know definitely the most like rocking drummer that petty ever had play yeah. with him and um but again you know this kind of circles back like david was faced with that decision he's like do you want to play drums for the heartbreakers this like awesome gig uh you know gonna be fairly comfortable because it's already really established or do you try to do a solo project that you've never ever done before you've the always risk. Yeah. you've only been a drummer and do you want to do this Foo Fighters thing mm-hmm. and how he had to basically like close the door on being a heartbreaker I didn't I didn't know about that oh I didn't yeah know, I didn't know it was like uh he was kind of at that point yeah if you I think I think the Foo Fighters uh, worked out for him though. Yeah, I think right. it was a good call for him, and um, you know he I think he had just started doing some demos of Foo Fighters stuff right around that time, and I, I want to say that the the drummer job was kind of offered to him, and um, and uh, he ended up kind of just like either saying no or he, I think he said that was like the hardest phone call was basically calling Tom and being like I can't do this. I have this other little project I'm working yeah. on. <laughs> so yeah, it was a good call for him, and um, you know, not taking the uh, the comfortable. Uh, you have to take risk. Like, yeah, like there, there's there's so many artists today. I feel like are just. It's not even that they're bad. They're good. They're just unwilling to take risk. It's like a, again, they kind of get a little bit of success, and they're like, "Well, I can lose it if I if I if I get risky." Mm-hmm. You know, like people could not like this and listen to this. I can be irrelevant again. Yeah, I go back to doing fucking dishes. Yeah. yeah. So well, yeah, I mean, I I wish I could like even sit here and act like I'm I I know what that's like, but I like you have to evolve. Um, like I feel like any great artists that have like lasted even twenty years, like their music evolved with them. Like I mean, it, like they didn't just create the same record over and over and over and over. Um, and you're gonna face backlash from your fans or your critics or even like your <laughs> your family yeah. for that matter. Like, yeah. well, I liked your earlier stuff. It's like, yeah. well. Yeah, but that's not I who got, I am anymore. I got yeah, yeah. it's like I gotta grow, and you know, people latch on to certain periods of time and certain records, and um, you know. But the thing is, is like, even if you know, say the first record is great, say your second record, people don't like it, but you still feel good about what you did. Mm-hmm. Like you're basically just setting up for the third record, then for those people that liked your first one. Like it's almost exactly. like you, you have to have. The peaks and the valleys. That kind of reminds me of The Killers a little bit. Are you a fan of them at all? Yeah, definitely. So their first record, Hot Fuss, it was big. You know, everybody loved it. They were like, they love the sound. Then they did Sam's Town, which is personally my favorite record of theirs, mm-hmm. which is the total fucking opposite of Hot Fuss. Yeah. Like, it, in subject matter and style, and I mean, it's still very much a Killers record. Yeah. It's their DNA, 
mm-hmm. but it's totally different than their last one. Then Day and Age comes out, and that's the one that has human on it mm-hmm. and Spaceman. So it's that familiar sound of the first record yeah, with the, the experiences, yeah, out. of the band mm-hmm. that had that that second record. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I always think that's kind of interesting the way that artists can can kind of grow and change. And now Samsung is coming up on its tenth tenth uh, anniversary. That's crazy. It is fucking crazy. Cause that came out when I was a freshman in high school, mm-hmm. yeah. and that record now, they're playing. They're actually playing shows at like the Samstown Casino, and they're reissuing. I can't even speak. Reissuing the mm-hmm. album, mm-hmm. and I think it's funny now. Everybody's very excited for it, but at the time, I was um, like, "There's been a bunch of people who have been been posting the old reviews of mm-hmm. when Samstown first came out, and it was like panned yeah. pretty much across the board. Yeah. Even though it has some of their best songs on it. Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah. I, I, uh, believe it or not, my favorite record is, uh, actually the Brandon Flowers solo album, The Flamingo. That's, like, my favorite. That's a great fucking and album, too. I, uh, I love that record, and I can listen to it front to back. I love Jilted Lovers and Broken Hearts. That's a great one, yeah. That's a great song. Playing With Fire, I, I love that, and, oh, um, yeah. my wife just, my wife loves that record, too. She actually, like, kind of turned me on to it, and... I uh, I was like, yep, I'm in. I love this. I love that song on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's fucking spiritual. Oh yeah, big it's, time. it's like him being like a Johnny Cash in a way. Yeah, reflective upon everything. There's actually yeah. a version of that that's a B side that is kind of more of like a country feel to it. And yeah, that record had a lot of great B sides. There's one, uh, the clock was a ticking, mm-hmm. which is a country song. It's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Uh, such great lyrics and storytelling. Yeah, and he has a cool like ability to bring like spirituality into his into his songs and stuff and um in a very relatable but also very like kind of timeless kind of that johnny cash yeah spirituality in his music and I, i love that too it's you know he definitely has a sense of there's something more and um you know and it's inspiring so, yeah. yeah, I really dig that record a lot. Did you hear his second solo album, The Desired Effect? Yeah, um, my wife bought that the day it came out, and um, there's definitely some great songs on it. For me, it was uh, sonically not as uh, I don't. I mean, I, I I think it's great, but yeah. it didn't. Um, I just didn't latch onto it like I did sure. Flamingo. And it could have just been the time of my life yeah. where you know whatever was going on. Um, that Flamingo was just like perfect for me at that time. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, he definitely like, and again, there he goes, not doing the same record again. Yeah. He did something completely different. Yeah. I mean, he's got like some like tropical vibes on yeah. it and like marimbas and stuff like that. I think a big part of it was the producer that he was working with mm-hmm. kind of pushing him and mm-hmm. making him try some new shit. Uh-huh. It was Ariel Rekshai. Do, do you know who he is? Mm-mm. He's worked with um, Haim, mm-hmm. the the girl band. I Haim. love Haim. Yeah. yeah. So he did he did their record, and he's worked with like Snoop Dogg and Justin Bieber and all these people. Yeah. So Brandon Flowers, he's working with like this big pop producer. Right. And but I feel like Ariel, he has a, a really a really good ear, and mm-hmm. a lot of those sounds on that record are very fresh. He also produced. Yeah. Vampire Weekend's fucking record, Modern Vampires of the City, which I absolutely love record, that right? album. Yeah. Like, sonically, I mean, the songwriting is, is good. Yeah. But sonically, oh, man. It, it, it yeah. was just, it, it was another refresher. Yeah. Like, the band, he he almost has his way of uh, of revitalizing an artist, you mm-hmm. know, when they're, they need some kind of inspiration or something like that, he comes through and makes them just do something entirely new. Yeah. Like, his drum sound is fucking incredible. Yeah. I read that he what he does is he he like records it through like a tape machine and then speeds it up. I don't know what he does, but it, mm. his drums just pop. Yeah, in a way that not a lot of modern records do with acoustic drums. Yeah, somehow. yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, so he does something weird with tape machines. That yeah, get cool as fuck. That's all, that's cool. I I know that Jakira King was the one he produced uh, the Flamingo record and. Uh, Shakira's just got some, he's got a great, like, classic producer kind of thing. Um, he did the, I think he's done, like, most of Nora Jones's records. And mm-hmm. um, 
But yeah, uh, the the Heim record, uh, which I hope they're gonna put some more music out soon. They've been they've been working on it from what I gather, and I think yeah. Ariel's been working with them again. Okay, cool. So I've seen I've seen posts online here and there just about yeah them working on stuff. I think they've been doing some festival dates too. Yeah, I I I'd love to see them live. I um, I guess I I don't even remember how I came across that one, but then yeah, I saw their Saturday Night Live performance and. I was like, oh man, whoa, yeah, that, like, they can they can fucking play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like, in an era of bands where not a lot of people have right. like, musical ability, they have a strong fucking musical ability. Yeah. It seems like they have like, like a background mm -hmm. playing, mm -hmm. and it doesn't hurt when you have three sisters who can sing. Within like, there's I think there's something that sounds so so right about it. Yeah. Just I guess it's genetically uh, yeah. something something. It's just yeah. like they're all in the same wavelength. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely this genetics for sure. I mean, those, those family bands, it's crazy, Some the sounds that they can create. It's almost like there's a bunch of voices, but they all sound kind of like one at the same time. Yeah. And it probably just kind of magnifies whatever is that characteristic of that family. Yeah. It's like times three or four mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, but yeah, those, yeah, those girls are awesome, though. I really liked that first, uh, their first record. Yeah, I yeah. just, I, I'm, I'm interested to, you know, find out what they do. My prediction is it's gonna be, it's gonna be some like garage band. Like, that would be punk, pretty badass. It's gonna be some yeah. garage elements. Like rebelling it. against their, their first record. Yeah. You know I, mean? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that when an artist does that. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, it's fresh, yeah. you know, and uh, I think that they're definitely. A band who has staying power. I think they can be around for a while mm -hmm. and continue to, to grow and develop. They actually did a um, a remix of a Tame Impala song because I'm a man. Did you hear? I that? love that track. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, I act like as much as I love the that Tame Impala record. That that I, I mean, because I'm a man is my favorite song on the Tame Impala record. And yeah. then you ask Heim. Or then Heim covers it, and I was yeah. like, "Well, game over." Yeah, like, yeah. It's something just right about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Golly, and uh, uh, Rihanna put one of those songs on her. Yeah, she too. did. Uh, New person, same mistakes, mm -hmm. which is a great fucking. It sounds song. awesome. It sounds like it sounds it like a hip hop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She she did that was great. I I mean, it may just be rumor, but I heard that like really they didn't change anything on the track. I it didn't sound did. like it. It sounded it's, like she just sang over it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, I guess their uh, vocal range is probably about the same. <laughs> yeah. 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 That yeah, dude sings pretty freaking high. And that's a great fucking album. I'm excited. Uh, again, another artist that constantly changes. I'm excited for whatever Kevin Parker does next because it's mm -hmm. going to be different than the last thing. Yeah. And I saw some stuff on Instagram of him in the studio with Mark Ronson and Lady Gaga. Oh my god. Yeah, so who knows? Like, he's just gonna constantly be yeah. growing. Well, I think everybody uh, wants to write with him now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and so that's cool that he's getting in with some heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with Gaga, but um, she's. I don't know, it was kind of cool seeing her kind of like shed a bit of the theatrics is the wrong word but yeah. shed some of her uh, the act the act the yeah. persona thing that she was putting on and um which i i can't imagine like i imagine that's very tiring um you know always having to be somebody else i don't know it's i think it's fun um but in this day and age you know with just the constant but basically what i would say is like if she was doing that in 1960, 1970, like she would have plenty of privacy to be herself. Yeah. And then when the press came for your show, it was you like put TV it on. Stardust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you, you have this like time to be yourself. Yeah. Whereas in you know today, it's constant. Yeah. It's everywhere. There's always something, always, you know, more content, more press, blah, 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 blah. And um, I can see how it would be really tiring for someone like her to, like, always have to be on mm -hmm. like that. To all, I mean... I think that's probably why she was working with Mark Ronson and, and Kevin Parker is, like, two people who kind of have 
street cred in the indie world and who are known for being yeah being not like these huge pop artists. I mean, Mark Ronson kind of now because he did Uptown Punk. Yeah, but they're more known for like their production and their, yeah, their but songwriting. Uptown so. Funk is just like it's a great song. Like it's not even like to, it flew in the face of every other pop oh, trend uh, yeah. at that time. Yeah, and, I mean, and it's like it was such a huge hit, and I mean. <laughs> Like, it immediately is into every wedding band's rotation, yeah. and, like, I mean, it's, it, it'll probably, I, like, I, I think that one has some staying power. Yeah, I, I wouldn't absolutely. be surprised if that one just, like, slowly slips into, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire 70s kind of stuff. Yeah, like, and people I think will, will, yeah. Pe- like, people 30 years from now would listen to it and be like, wait, that wasn't from the 70s yeah. was like no that was like 2015 2014 did you listen to that record Uptown Special that Bronson put out with that one on there Mm-mm, no it's a great fucking record um, Uptown Funk is different than pretty much the entire record mm-hmm. Uptown Special I think is a lot more dark like mm-hmm. a lot more noir kind of yeah. almost mm-hmm. um, Kevin Parker is actually on that album he's on it for three songs I think he plays drums on a couple other ones that he's not mm-hmm. like singing and writing on, and he has a couple other guests. Uh, Jeff Basker was the co-producer on that entire record, mm-hmm. who worked with like Kanye West and a bunch of other huge mm-hmm. hip hop stars. Mm-hmm. So the album itself, I think it it was, in my opinion, the best album of the year. Yeah, close to Currents. Mm-hmm. I thought Currents was such a great record, but um, Mark Ronson, man, he's one of, he's one of my all time heroes. Yeah. All the musicians he plays with are just fucking phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, but it's seem, a good record. You should he check seems it out. Like, seems like he's putting himself around the right folks, or or the right folks are coming around mm-hmm. him. Um, but yeah, I mean the that it's kind of funny this like uptick and like the producer artist kind of uh, thing. Like mm-hmm. I don't know when it's ever been like that before, where it's like. I mean that Uptown Funk is Mark featuring Bruno. Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> like even though most people would listen to that song and be like, Bruno, oh, it's a Bruno Mars Mark. Or like yeah. Mark Who, like yeah. they, it's, exactly. it's Bruno Mars. Like yeah. and uh, but he's had he's had this ability to like, you know, get name recognition as a producer, which is really cool. And it's probably because he's putting his name on it. Yeah. Like, this is my record. And I'm bringing in people to sing on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so good for him. Doesn't hurt when you produce Amy Winehouse. Yeah, that he's a that helps. He's great. I think it's kind of interesting though when, that you mentioned that because I think now it is kind of like the producer artist is almost a necessity of of doing music today. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, if you want to be a producer, you kind of also have to be an artist and be putting out records. Yeah. Um, the same thing with like bands in a way like. Um, there's a lot of two-person bands now, but one half of those two-person bands, there's usually a producer artist in it. Yeah. Like, eventually, Jack White became that. Yeah. You know, he, he went solo, but he, like, that's that's his thing. He's, like, a producer artist. Yeah. Or Dan Auerbach from the Black Keys. Mm-hmm. Dude, his, his fucking resume, if you look at it, he's produced, like, I don't know, 40 fucking records in the past 10 years. Yeah. He's busy. always working. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love seeing an artist who's like, okay, so I'm able to do this now. I'm not going to fucking stop. Keep mm-hmm. working, keep working, keep working. Yeah, yeah. Putting the hours, putting the time. Yeah. But, uh buddy of mine, Butch Walker, is that quintessential producer yeah. and artist. And um, I think it keeps him fresh, too, because, you know, like, I mean, he does some huge pop records, but then, like, he almost always finds time like every year every two years yeah. put out a record of his own stuff and um it's exciting seeing kind of watching him evolve because i mean i was a fan of his um the marvelous yeah. three yeah the yeah. marvelous three they're all uh i've gotten to know all of them which is really cool and um actually two of the guys would play in atlanta like churches that i was like playing at so oh, really? <laughs> yeah uh, one time I got to play with uh, Jace and Slug, um, so that was really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, Butch is—he's um, been really uh, 
really nice to me since moving to Nashville. He kind of splits time between LA and Nashville, and um, you know, both He's being a talented writer, so talented, and being we're both kind of from the same area. You know, both being from Georgia, um, so we kind of get each other mm-hmm. at that level, which is fun. Um, but yeah, it's cool seeing him kind of evolve. Um, of course, I can look back ten plus years on him and kind of see what he's done and um, work, work, work. Yeah, work, work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, he had a, he has a lot of great credits. Like um, he worked on that that first Katy Perry record, I think. Mm-hmm. One of the boys. Yeah, he did. That, that fucking song, One of the Boys. I I don't think she's really done anything as great as that, but it makes sense because Butch was, I feel like his songwriting definitely shined through like mm-hmm. on that song, the song yeah. One of the Boys. Yeah, definitely. And there was a couple other great ones on there where it was just like power pop. Yeah. It was like pure power pop and it mm-hmm. sounds so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think, yeah, that is my favorite record of Katie's. Yeah. Um, but it's also kind of like, I mean, she, she evolved and like she... Yeah, honestly, she kind of like she followed some trends, but she also kind of like set some yeah. as well. And um, yeah, I mean, she's been she's been on the right path for sure. Like, I don't, you know, as much as we'd like to hear another one of the boys' records, like she knew where she needed to yeah. go and she she went. You got to keep bankrolling, <laughs> bankrolling. Well, and, I mean, she you know she has to stay ahead yeah. of everybody else. Like, have you, you heard know? her new song yet? Mm-mm. I honestly, I'm gonna be real. I didn't really like it. Yeah. It's, it's a song called "Rise." It's supposed to be like this Olymp- the Olympic anthem. Oh well, you know, I feel like sometimes those songs kind of um, they're really hard to make those great songs. Like yeah. I can't name another an Olympic uh, Olympic yeah. song ever, yeah. or like the World Cup song, or yeah. the World Series song. Like yeah, <laughs> those yeah. songs, like I mean, maybe she'll, you know she has the popularity and everything to, mm-hmm. to make one of those songs great. But I, I, you know, I, I, I think those kind of hamstring you sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, it has so to in be, the box. Yeah. It has, it has to be, be anthemic. Yeah. It has to be Big. anthemic and yeah. yeah. Sports and yeah. Sports, fireballs sports. And, and, and Brazil and yeah. all that stuff. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold it against her. No, if, no. You know, cause I, you just gotta, you know, you gotta go with it. It's funny, like, I had a buddy, he, he's actually, uh, his name's Mark Sibilia, and he's gotten, um, he got some nice press because he got asked by Jeep to record This Land Is Your Land for the Super Bowl. Holy shit. So, like, he, it's him singing This Land Is Your Land uh, with my friend Mo- uh, Molly Parton, they're both singing on it, and it was, like, the Super Bowl Jeep ad that was, like, yeah. A minute long, yeah, and it's just him singing with acoustic wow. guitar, and it's not his song by any means, you know. But like the exposure was awesome for him, so you know, like I don't think I would turn down if somebody said, "Hey, do you want to do the Olympic song?" I'd be like, "Heck yeah, let's do it!" Yeah. You know, like yeah, <laughs> can I fucking turn it down? No, yeah, no, absolutely no. not. Yeah, no, they'll no. probably pay. They'll probably pay my rent for the entire year. Yeah, it's funny when you hear like stuff that people have turned down because they just don't feel like as an artist they can like live with themselves. Oh, uh, I, it's such an interesting, yeah, interesting thing to think. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Like, um, you know, I, I think it's a case by case scenario. And I think, um, I think later on in your career, it's probably easier to say no to yeah. stuff than early on because you're just like, you're staring at either a lot of zeros or, you know, a lot of fame, you yeah. know, it's like, how do you, because I mean, I, I just, I've come to terms with the fact that like most artists, including myself, like we do what we do, um, for, to, I mean, to capture people's attention and like mm-hmm. to hold people's attention and like for them to listen to what you're saying and stuff like that. So whenever you're faced with an opportunity to, to get more listeners or to get more platform, it's, I mean, it's hard to say no. And you kind of have to be like, well, you know, artistic integrity and all of that. And like, I don't know, I guess case by case scenario, but it's gotta be hard to say no when there's a position, you know, a some opportunity like that comes along. 
Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to even think of who I've... I mean, I know I've seen it where it's just like, oh, man, they really sold out or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. And, I mean, if it's a pop artist, like, I, I think as a pop artist, there's no selling out. Like, you can't, like... Yeah. There's no, oh, that was too far. Like, like that's the goal is to get yeah, too far. Yeah. Pop means popular. Yeah. Like, it, you need to be doing everything you can to get as popular as possible. If you decide to be into pop music, like, there's no... Uh, you can't sell out too much. Like, but if you're this, like, alternative whatever, like, deep singer-songwriter. Like, I have I have friends that are, like, incredible singer-songwriters that are, like, so, like, dark, mysterious, whatever. And if they were suddenly, like, the face of Pepsi, I'd be like, what happened? Like, yeah. you know, what your message of anti-this, anti-that establishment, blah, 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 blah. Like, <laughs> what happened? You're now the face of Pepsi. Well, let me play devil's advocate for a okay. second. What if you get into that position and you do have that message and then yeah. you're getting your, like, a bunch of people are discovering you because of that? Yeah, I mean, if you could somehow work it both ways where yeah. you didn't lose your credibility, then yeah. that would be that. That would be perfect. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know too many things that I probably wouldn't that I would turn down. I, yeah. I, I mean, I just like... The goal is to sell out. Yeah. I want to fucking sell out. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll sell out. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I think as, um, as I continue to, you know, hopefully continue to grow as a writer and stuff that I'm just like, you know, writing more and more meaningful music and, um, you know, and I kind of feel that happening with like my, you know, just what I'm writing right now mm -hmm. for whenever the next record is. Um, you know, I kind of like sense a shift and just like what I want to write about and yeah. what is just what I feel compelled to write about. So, um, so yeah, now's the time to sell out. Maybe, uh, <laughs> next, next record might be a little harder to sell out. <laughs> well, what I've kind of noticed about the tunes that I listened to that you sent me yeah. is there's this very, um, romantic sense to all of your music. I would say, yeah. saying like, both in like a romantic relationship sense and also like this renaissance, yeah. like this romanticism, I feel like has kind of disappeared in a lot of music, yeah. which is refreshing to hear. Like the production and the songwriting that you sent me, um, it really it reminded me of, of fall. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of the like the seasons changing. Like yeah. I didn't hear all the leaves on the ground. Yeah. Well, it's that's like, good that we're yeah. waiting till September to yeah. release it. Then I think it's the perfect time to release it. Like that exactly what I what I was listening to. I was like, man, this reminds me. I grew up in New England, and I was like, this this reminds me of fall in New England. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has it has a vibe to it. It's very very um very colorful. Cool. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah uh, yeah you get uh, being from New England, you actually get like fall and spring and summer yeah <laughs> you get yeah. all of the seasons it's mostly winter yeah it's mostly winter <laughs> um yeah and i got i had that same feeling too like even though we, we recorded it in january this year um and we were like looking at dates and like i kept getting so frustrated because we kept you know pushing it back because things weren't ready yet and blah 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 uh but now that it's like gonna come out in the fall i was like all along, I was like, this is a fall record. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just feels, it just feels that way. It's like, I mean, it was recorded in, in winter. Yeah. Um, and it had been written, you know, that year before. And, um, I think a couple, maybe even the year before that, but all the songs are pretty fresh. I mean, like they're, I'm not coming in with this song I wrote when I was 18 years old. Yeah. Like these are all in the past, like two years. Um, even one of them was like written while I was in the studio. Like that's how fresh these are. And so, yeah, there's definitely like this romanticism to it. And I think that was just kind of, um, I write from a observation kind of standpoint. And also I told you, I like kind of process through writing. And so a lot of this was written, um, kind of like with a sense of like, what's the void in today's music and like, how can I best, fill it. Mm -hmm. And, um, for me, there was just a, a, a lack of like 
humanity and vulnerability and tenderness in today's music. Yeah, I think you definitely nailed it with what you've done. Yeah, and, and it so, comes across. Cool. And, and um, so, and I mean, and honestly, it wasn't, I, 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 you know, in hindsight, I'm like, well, I was feeling this void. Like, I don't think I really knew I was doing that at yeah. the time, but I kind of like, I feel sometimes like the songwriter is kind of like the, uh, the modern day biblical prophet. Yeah. <laughs> He's like the guy that's like, you know, y'all are all doing this. Like, why are you doing this? Come do this. This is better. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, a lot of time they get killed. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> he already sees it. it's like a observing whatever is going around. Yeah. Or what's missing. Right. Kind of documenting that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I think Chuck Palahniuk, he has this great quote. Um, you know, the writer Chuck Palahniuk, he did a fight club. Yeah. 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 All that shit. Yeah. Well, he has this great quote that was basically like, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's shoot the films, paint the art, make the music, direct the films of mm-hmm. uh, the stuff that you want to see. Um, cause if you can control your culture, you can change the world around you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's very true. You gotta, you gotta demand the world you want to live in through your art. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, you know, there's, there's, I think there's times for these like huge songs, like, you know, we are the world, like those kind of songs or like, you know, when, I mean, when U2 was just killing it, they just had all these like great anthem songs that kind of brought the whole world together. And I think like right now we're so caught up in the like macro of everything that's going on with the world and this and that, and you know, elections and all this stuff that, um, like we've failed to like focus on the individual and like myself and like my family and like, you know, it's just like, I think, so this record is very like introspective is the wrong word, but like micro, like, um, your heart, like my heart, you know, our love, our life, like, um, what's going on with us? Yeah. Our relationship. Yeah. Um, because I really think that, the only way to make the world healthy is like if we're healthy, like as first. individuals. Yeah. Yeah. And we're one big organism. Yeah, it's exactly. Kind of going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, we're all kind of the same. Yeah. And in order to realize that we're all the same, I feel like you kind of have to look inward mm-hmm. and then you start realizing, well, if I'm feeling this way. Yeah. There are other people feeling this way and yeah. they might be doing bad shit because of it or they might be doing good shit because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And so, you know, I kind of just wanted to like, you know, and it's just where I was too. Like I, I was, I was dealing with internal things and that's, that's where I was. And so my hope is that like people can kind of like glean from this as well. Like from my experiences and how I wrote these songs that maybe they'll start like feeling human again and like start, you know, being like, Oh, I need to like, love my husband or I need yeah. to love my wife or my, my children, whatever it is. Or I need to call my dad. Like, yeah. um, I need to send my mom flowers. Like, you know, just things like that that are kind of like, um, cause we can just get so overwhelmed by the world and the needs and, and you know, this is going on, this is going on. And like, um, and there's certain people that are called to like handle that stuff and to like, work on that stuff, but like you have to start of the the two or three around you. Yeah. And even before that, it's, you have to kind of like, tune it all out and, and kind of look inward yeah. to, to really understand what's going on out there. Yeah. Before you could ever process yeah. this huge, gigantic issue. It's like, like the modern, I wouldn't want to say modern disease, but it's like the modern symptom. There's this, I think this cultural and spiritual sickness that we're experiencing right now because yeah. we haven't been focusing yeah. um, on ourselves and what our true our true self is trying to tell us. And yeah. I think it's important to, to kind of unplug for a little while and to meditate or to go for a walk. Absolutely. Where no one can contact you and you're just mm-hmm. you're just alone with your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Cause I mean you're you're constantly being told what to be concerned about. Yes. And that's a great way to describe and what it. to yeah. think about. Um, you the know, mind but, hive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just you're plugged in uh, constantly to everything else, 
And um, I think, you know, a lot of just what these songs were written about was kind of just in a response to, like, this like constant jumble going on. So, and then <laughs> the stuff I'm working on now, I think is even, um, even more flies in the face of just the, the cultural, uh, I don't even know. It's a trend, I guess, cultural yeah. trends of, um, this is what you think about. This is what you should be concerned about. This is the only side of the argument that you really need to know about, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, the polarization, um, yeah, it's, of, yeah, of, of the world and of especially American culture, yeah, and we're I think we're seeing a lot of that right now with the election. Is where it has you have to be this or that. You can't be well. What if I'm what if I'm neither of those things? And I think a yeah. lot of people, kind of in their twenties and in their thirties, are starting to wake up and be like, well, yeah, that's not that's not our American dream. That's not what we want, right? Yeah, and and it's kind of like, why do I have to choose this one or that one, like? You know, yeah, I think that that uh, we're gonna see that more this year than ever. I'm not saying uh, that's completely out of the question for a third party to be elected this election. That's very true. Yeah, but I I will say that this will probably be the record high voting for a third party. I agree with that. Just because of um, maybe it is our. It's it's like it's. People are fed up regardless of age group. Like, I think across the board, you're finding a lot of people that are like, I'm sick and tired of like just accepting what you say. The status what, quo. Yeah, the status quo. And um, I think that's why you saw such a huge like uptick for, for Bernie Sanders. And um, just because he was saying like, it was just a refreshing kind mm -hmm. of, side of the argument and like guys like Gary Johnson are kind of like in that same kind of boat. It's kind of like, why are we, you know, why are we just going to continue down this, this road? Like where it doesn't benefit the American, the average right. American person at all. Exactly. And, um, so yeah, I, I, um, I have a hard time kind of like, uh, I, I, I try not to think about it too much because yeah. then I just get my days ruined because yeah. I start thinking too totally. much about it. So, but you know, I'd say like one, you don't have to just accept what is out there. Like two, inform yourself to the best of your abilities and then vote for what you believe in. Like what yeah. do you value? Vote for that. Like, cause, uh, <laughs> somebody the other day posted like, uh, uh, it was a picture of like Abraham Lincoln and it was like, you know, they didn't waste their third party vote. Like, and it yeah. was like Abe Lincoln was like the third party and he won, yeah. you know, as a third party candidate, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm not saying who anybody should vote for, but, <laughs> uh, just be informed and like, you know, you, you know, you get to choose. And again, this comes down to like, you get one vote for yourself. Yeah. Don't be so concerned about how everybody else is voting. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. Or, and again, it comes back to like personally, what take a second, think about what you care about. Yeah. And vote that way. Well, I think it's what's interesting about these past, really these past two years, mm -hmm. is there's very much, and more and more, I would even say just this year, there's been this very anti-establishment mm -hmm. like I would say that's why Trump is popular that's why Bernie Sanders is popular that's yeah. why Gary Johnson are popular and we're mm -hmm. hearing all their names constantly is because they're all kind of like they have, they have these fringe beliefs and I think good and bad um, yeah. like obviously Trump being on one end of the spectrum and then like yeah. Bernie Sanders and Gary Johnson being on the other yeah they've risen because of People, not only they like them, but they like the idea of them too. Yeah. We're not wanting, we're not wanting what has been given to us. Yeah. We just don't believe it anymore. Yeah, exactly. I think the next election, I think this is the last election where we're really going to see two, like, Republican versus The two-party system. Yeah. yeah. I, I fully believe that the next time around, we're going to see a lot more people running third party, mm -hmm. which I think is great. Yeah, I think it's great too, because... Um, I feel like that's actually like more American. Yeah, totally. Like you mean a non-oligarchy, actual <laughs> democracy? Yeah. yeah. 
Exactly. Concept. Like, it's where, you know, it's like America where you can wear a red shirt or a blue shirt or a green shirt or a black yeah. shirt or a white shirt. Yeah. Like, you know, you, uh, yeah, I think it's more American to like give people more options. <laughs> Cause I mean, we're about freedom. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, and only getting to choose between two things is kind of not really freedom at all. It's like, no. you know, it's not even multiple choice. Yeah. It's true or false. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both false. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think, I think it's a great thing. I, I mean, it's so stressful. Like you were kind of saying, it can ruin your day if you yeah. really let it in and get yeah. to you. Yeah. But yeah, you have to learn to kind of block that out and keep going. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, mean, I think for people that are very impressionable, I think you need to really guard yourself because there, I mean, a lot of the people that are kind of like writing the stuff on Facebook or articles or whatever, um, they love that. Yeah. They, they love the argument and the expose and all this kind of thing. The Messiah complex. Well, it may be yeah, even yeah, that. That, like, that America seems to have for yeah. like having someone be our, our yeah. dad. Yeah. And like some, some people just like love it and it's just, it's fulfilling for them. There's people like me that like, I will like get so like upset or like, and I'm just like, man, I'm really upset about this. Like, Oh, I don't need to really be like, <laughs> like I don't need to let myself get upset Every day, yeah. Maybe like once a week. It's I, okay I think it's healthy to to feel that little bit of doubt and wonder what's what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I think it's good to be exposed to it. But like, um, you know, you don't need to let the bullies out there. Like, like that's the great thing about the internet is like you can actually shut it off. Like, yeah. you, you don't actually have it. Like. Even though we feel like we're constantly connected to it, you don't have to be. Yeah. I asked the question the other day. I was like, when was the last time you actually like turned your phone off? Not airplane mode, not silent mode, yeah. not even to like update your iOS. Like when was the last time you like turned it off? Yeah. Walked away from it. And walked away from it. And like, I mean, I even myself, I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know when that was, but that sounds nice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, Technology, I think, you know, getting into the more spiritual side of it, it's like we created this thing. It's like, yeah. And I think eventually we're going to, we're going to merge with it and become one and the same, or we're going to really learn how to use it as a tool. Yeah. Or both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a Shel Silverstein that wrote, uh, where the sidewalk ends and like all these like, uh, children's, um, like poems and, and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> someone posted like one of those, like a little cartoon with the poem and it was like a young girl with her robot and she was like asking her robot to like make me a sandwich. And the robot was like, why don't you make me a sandwich? Well, I'm, I'm going to pull it up so we can, uh, em yeah. embrace this together. Cause I was like, and this was written a while back. Um, here we go. Hang tight with me, because this is going to be worth it. Well, while you're searching for that, have you ever yeah. read Aldous Huxley, Brave New World? Mm -mm. That's that's a good one. Um, you should check that out. I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's about um, basically this society that it, it's just completely dystopian. Like Everybody's disconnected from each other. Interesting. There's this class system that's in place. And I'm not doing it justice in explaining it, but it's it's yeah. worth checking out. Like if you like science fiction, yeah, it's good. What was the author's name again? Uh, Aldous Huxley. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is uh, it's called My Robot. I told my robot to do my bidding. He yawned and said, "You must be kidding." I told my robot to cook me a stew. He said, "I got better things to do." I told my robot to sweep my shack. He said, "You want me to strain my back?" I told my robot to answer the phone. He said, I must make some calls of my own. I told my robot to brew me some tea. He said, why don't you make tea for me? I told my robot to boil me an egg. He said, first, let me hear you beg. I told my robot, there's a song you can play me. He said, how much are you going to pay me? 
So I sold that robot because I never knew exactly who belonged to who. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Yeah, I would say that's very, very fucking timely right Yeah, now. so um, a friend posted that the other day, and I was like, oh, man, how spot on is that? Yeah, um, our so robot you, overlords. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, just like, um, yeah, so even just going back to the record, like, it's a very introspective personal Thing, and I think it's good for people to like get back to their own humanity and like, um, you know, remember you're not actually a cyborg with a phone attached to your body. Like we haven't done that yet. Or, not yet. Not yet. Pretty soon though. So do you, um, where can people get a hold of you? How can they hear your music? Yeah. Um, what, like, give us some, some stuff to plug here that way uh, people can listen and can check you out. Yeah. Um, so the website's almost done, uh, rubenbedez.com. So it's R-E-U-B-E-N-B-I-D-E-Z.com. And so that'll be kind of like the jump off point for our, all the other stuff. But um, the songs will be getting released on, um, on iTunes, um, the iTunes Music, Spotify, um, I think even SoundCloud too. Um, I kind of... Uh, I kind of have all my hidden music on my Spotify privately, yeah. um, but I'll start to release some stuff on, uh, I'm sorry, on SoundCloud. I have it all hidden on SoundCloud, but um, so soon uh, that'll start popping up. Um, yeah, I mean, that's RubenBedez.com. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all the all that stuff. Do you have any shows coming up? Uh, yeah. I think it's funny that I'm plugging technology after talking about <laughs> Um, <laughs> we have to, it's part, I'll of, the, it's part have, of the game. I'll eventually have, uh, uh, vinyl records and people can listen on vinyl and, uh, without having to <laughs> access the internet. How about that? Uh, I'll have CDs too. So if you have an old CD player, you can, you know, you don't need the internet for that. <laughs> um, sorry, what were you asking? Oh, shows coming yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, shows. So I have a show, um, in, uh, let's see, August 18th. Um, playing at the High Watt in um, in Nashville, and then I actually have a New York show and an LA show coming up. New York is on the August 29th at Rockwood, and then um, September 6th I'm playing at Hotel Cafe in uh, Los Angeles, and then um, the two. You know, I'm just going to tell you when the release shows are. Yeah. The release shows uh, are going to be September uh, 20th in Nashville and 21st in Atlanta. Do you know where those shows are going to be at? Uh, High Watt for the okay. 20th and um, Vinyl um, in Atlanta on the 21st. Awesome. So i got some shows coming up. So Great, man. If anybody's out there and wants to come. We put on a good show. Um, Wyatt plays bass with me. Um, a guy, uh, Daniel Donato plays guitar for me. He's a phenomenal young guitarist. And then, um, my friend Travis Nunn plays drums and, uh, Dustin Ransom, who's a, a killer multi-instrumentalist, um, plays keys with me. And we got, we got harmonies and, and all kinds of stuff going on. So it's, uh, the, the live shows are really cool. The, the New York and LA show had to just be me, uh, and my 12 string guitar. So, awesome. um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. I really like both um, both types of shows, and they're very different. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, when it's just me, I get to kind of, uh, you know, be a little more uh, fluid. There's um, no one having to follow your changes. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I can kind of stretch some notes out and kind of pick my set list as I go and stuff yeah. like that. Whereas the band shows, I think, are a little more, uh, a little more raucous, and um, you have to keep it uh, tighter. Yeah, you keep it tighter, but I think like for for the live shows, there's just like the volumes a little bit more, and we're playing a little bit louder, and just like energy levels a little higher. Like the record is um, definitely very listenable. Like it's it's there's no like uh, we I really wanted to create a record that like felt good and like. Um, I think there's a time and a place for like feedback and dissonance and like, uh, you know, those kind of like jarring sounds. But for this record, I really wanted to create something that like 
and again comes back to like humanity. I yeah. didn't want to like do industrial sounds. Yeah, like it's a very natural. It's, it's sounding. rustic. Yeah, yeah, it's rustic. It's classic sounding, um, and so like the live shows, you know, we'll get you know two electric guitars going. And, yeah. And, uh, oh yeah. You know stuff like that. So it's um, it's fun to to see it in both forms, the solo and the band stuff. So. But yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to get out there and play it, and I'm pumped for this record to finally be out. <laughs> awesome, yeah, man. Well, uh, once the record comes back, uh, comes out, mm-hmm. uh, I can have you back on. We can do do another podcast. That'd for be sure. awesome. Um, I appreciate yeah. you coming on today. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm happy that I was able to kind of do it. And uh, Wyatt, uh, if you know Wyatt, uh, just come on the podcast. That's how I guess I'm getting all my guests. Right yeah. Now, so. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely.